0: you're listening to real talk slp with your host elise clark the Deviling speechy this is a show to help speech pathologists navigate the slp world with real life stories to celebrate therapy successes and how to persevere when failure comes knocking on your door Hey, Audrey, welcome to the Real Talk SLP podcast. It's great having you come on to chat about how you implement collaborative services in your school setting. Well, I'm so excited to be here and,
1: you know, I've never done something like this. So I'm a little nervous, but excited to try something new. So thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, so I I think I started chatting with Audrey when you participated in some of my five-day challenges and then you followed me on Instagram and so we've chatted, Through DMs on Instagram, and I coerced her to come on and talk about how she does push-in therapy, because I think a lot of SLPs have questions for me, and there's not always a a perfect manual, and everyone is in their own situations with implementing collaborative services. So I've been trying to find other SLPs that want to talk about push-in or how they're doing different service models, and I coerced Audrey to come on. So yes, so why don't you share a little bit about your experience and years in the field and maybe even just some areas that you like to treat? Yeah, sure. So first off, I just love your five
1: day challenges. I've done all of the ones that you've done so far, and I'm looking forward to to future uh, challenges as well. I like that you break those down into manageable chunks. And so that even when I'm working full time, I can still manage to, you know, do the activity or the challenge and then come out with a great product. So that has been really fun to be a part of. So a little bit about myself, way back when I graduated high school, like most people, I think, or that's what I tell myself, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I didn't even have any idea what a speech and language pathologist even was, but I went to college for my first round of college because I was kind of a lifer for a little while. And I went to Chaminade University of Honolulu, where I mainly played volleyball, but I managed to take a few uh, courses as well. And I got a bachelor's degree in psychology and then an accidental bachelor's degree in historical political studies. And you might be wondering, how can you accidentally get a degree? But um, the history club had these great parties out on the North shore and you could only be able to go to them if you were in the history club. And to be in the history club, you had to take the history classes. So (laughs) it just kind of snowballed into a degree. (laughs) And then uh, after I was done with getting those degrees, I wasn't quite ready to grow up or know exactly what I wanted to do with those degrees. So I thought, you know, this is my opportunity to continue living in Hawaii. So I decided to get a job and stay there. I only stayed there for another year, uh, but in that time I worked as a one-on-one aide or paraprofessional. And I got to work with a little girl with Down syndrome and her name was Aubrey. And it was hilarious because I'm Audrey, my little friend was Aubrey, not confusing at all, (laughs) but we were totally best buds and I had uh, such a great time working with her and I learned so much along the way. While I was getting to work with her, I got to attend all of her support services, which is where I learned about the whole world of speech and language and what it was all about. I ended up returning to my home state of California and living with my parents. You know how that goes after college. It's like, oh, well, let me, let me find some roommates. Yep. Oh, parents will do, but (laughs) they are some of the best roommates ever. Top two with my husband. Of course, I ended up going to Cal State Long Beach and I got my bachelor's degree in communicative disorders. Actually, I was one of the last people to be accepted into the master's program there, which, you know can do something to your your soul if you let it, that you were the last person. but um, You know, once you get in, it doesn't matter. As long as you get in, you can kind of make things happen. So I graduated from there in 2008 and got my first job as a real SLP. And I was working in Escondido and stayed there for about five years. I loved my Escondido Rose School Dolphin family, but I decided to apply for a job in my resident school district because why not shorten that commute? And the job ended up actually being at my neighborhood school. So I started working at La Costa Meadows Elementary School, and that's where I currently am. And I was lucky enough to start the year before my son was going into kindergarten, which was great, because then I kind of got to meet the teachers and see where he would fit best. So personally, that was fantastic. But I've really definitely found my home at La Costa Meadows. So I have a 10-year-old son. He's in fifth grade and a seven-year-old daughter who's in second grade. And I've been married... Almost 13 years now and I actually still enjoy him so that's nice he's my little tech wizard my nerd in shining armor as I call him <laughs> and at the school I currently work out which I don't ever see myself <laughs> leaving um, we have several different specialized programs we have a non-categorical preschool which just means that it's not like you know considered an autism class we kind of take everybody it's And in in that group, we have most of the kids are IEP kids, but there is also some kids that don't have IEPs and there are reverse mainstreamers, which is great for our kids on IEP to have some of that peer model with those more typically developing peers. I mean, what's typical really, but just those kids that aren't on an IEP. We also have two mod severe classrooms where they're kind of self-contained. One is for TK through second grade and the other is third through fifth. And I get to work with the pre-K and the TK through second classrooms. We have another SLP on site who works with the older kids. We also have three mild mod teachers who typically push into our gen ed classrooms um, and support the the students in the, the gen ed classrooms. I personally love working with younger children, which is why I've kind of um, taken the preschool and the, the second grade and lower. I love play based therapy as I'm a firm believer that everything is better when you're having fun, you can learn more, you can learn quicker when um, you're actually engaged and enjoying the tasks that you're doing so. If you did happen to come onto my campus, you may very well catch me in some sort of ridiculous costume showing my kids that there's nothing wrong with being a little bit kooky because I want them to know that I'm having fun. So they have that buy-in and they're having fun too. I
0: love it. I love it. I'm from California too. So it's been amazing being on the same time zone with you during this interview. And we have it. My family has some volleyball players. So we love volleyball too. So many things to connect with. I have probably, what did you call him, a nerd in shining armor? Yeah. <laughs> <You> <laughs> both of our us husbands, too. <laughs> yeah, both of our husbands helped us get set up today. But um, yeah, I was, at first I was going, dang, you guys have a lot of programs at your campus. So I'm really happy to hear that you have a, another SLP supporting the caseload there yeah otherwise it would be
1: very unmanageable um, (laughs) if i didn't and I've i've worked with two different slps at this site and it's so great to have somebody to be able to collaborate with that you know in my previous school i was the only slp i was sometimes at two sites and it's it's a lot to to handle when you don't have that person to kind of bounce ideas off of so it has been A luxury, but I love this luxury of having another SLP on site that I can chat with.
0: Totally. Yeah, I've worked with other SLPs, too, where I'm supporting their caseload, and it's fun to just chat or share what we're doing and just, you know talk about the ups and downs of our jobs. So, and I think push in is a little bit of that. You feel one week you're feeling great. The next <laughs> week you're going, what in the world is happening? Or I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> all right. So yes, before we jump into all the details about your push in setup, do you have a song or a song lyric that describes what you hope for in a collaboration with another teacher or educator on? The yeah, just like
1: team? my therapy, everything is really eclectic. And So I, you know, couldn't pick just one song because that's just not who I am. So it totally depends on the day and the task, the person I'm collaborating or the person I'm collaborating with. So let me see here, when the the IEP or the lesson goes just right, then I am just walking on sunshine with Katrina and the waves. But we all know that things don't always go as planned. So like Queen, you know, and bad mistakes, I've made a few. (laughs) Yeah, so that has happened. But again, I just have to turn to my friend Taylor Swift and shake it off because, you know, we can't let things get us down. But what I wish my theme song was, and maybe I kind of hear it in my head when I'm hyping myself up for something, is Girl on Fire. So that's another one. Though in actuality, probably I'm just Bon Jovi living on a prayer. The main teacher I work with, my work wife, Kellen, she will sing along with me, you know, take my hand and we'll make it, I swear. Whoa, living on a prayer. (laughs) So every day is different. You never know what it's going to be like, but that makes it exciting and fun to continue to grow and be challenged.
0: Totally. I think I would sing Girl Girl on Fire when I'm about to go in for the first time with a new teacher (laughs) to do a push-in lesson. It's happened many years. And going, (laughs) you can do this, girl. (laughs) And then, yeah, and I would say it's been, it's a lot easier to make mistakes, especially with doing co-teaching. When you have a teacher who isn't going to judge you and knows that we're (laughs) all living on a prayer together and we're going to pick each other up. When you're going into a push-in co-teaching situation where you're just kind of like, I don't know, I think they're going to judge me. <laughs> it's going to it is a little bit more nerve wracking.
1: It definitely is stressful. And I think that, you know, anytime you take that first step in something, whether it's push in therapy or, you know, you have a new group of kids or one of the students has maybe a disability that you haven't really worked with, there's always going to be that little nerve, you know, where you're maybe a, a little nervous, but definitely having someone who you trust and respect really does help settle the nerves.
0: Totally. So I would love to know what what got you started with doing a push-in model. I often say push-in model just because that's the most common that everyone knows, but just like a co-teaching or coaching type model. what How did you get started with that?
1: Well, I actually didn't really have a choice when I started at my current school. The previous speech therapist and the therapist before her and the therapist before her was kind of pushing in mainly to our Mod your classroom. So the teacher that I was working with at that time, she said, this is what has been done and this is what you will do. <laughs> and I said oh, okay. I'm so happy that it was pushed on me because I really have found a lot of success with it. And like I said, you know, at first I was nervous, but decided to let's just do it. And, you know, it hasn't always been all sunshine and rainbows. We all fall on our face every now and then, but it's so nice to be a part of a collaborative team where we are all working together, where we trust each other. And so even when we do, you know, Get knocked down somebody's there to kind of help us up if we've made a mistake they're there to support and there has been a lot of changes at my site so it's not like i started doing the push in therapy and have been with the same teacher either in the six-ish years that i've been at my site um, i've worked with about seven different mod severe teachers that seems insane but some would go out on maternity leave and then i'd have a long-term sub some got pregnant and moved away it just Everything seemed to center around babies, actually, (laughs) but it was kind of nice to get to see and work with different teachers and see, you know, that what works with one teacher when I'm pushing into their classroom doesn't necessarily work with all the teachers, you know, some teachers wanted to really be involved in that planning and also the actual service delivery model where others, they needed some to have me just push in so they could come up for air or go assess another student. And I obviously happy to help and support both the students and the teacher in any way that I can. So some teachers needed to remain kind of that lead teacher while i supported and made suggestions on how they could best form questions or um, how they could help the student be most successful speech language wise i always do my best to kind of chat with the teacher listen to them you know every every teacher at your site is a potential co-teacher so i kind of listen to you know what teachers say how they say it once we've kind of made that jump to yeah let's try this co-teaching then i really listen to what they feel that they are going to need to make this successful and then i try to just be flexible and accommodate which i mean all speech language pathologists have to have that flexibility because you know we get thrown some curveballs sometimes and uh So I just really try to listen to them and the teachers and see how I can best support them so that they feel heard um, and supported.
0: Yeah, I love all that. I would say working with seven different teachers over, I think you said six years. Six years, yeah. I don't think it's, I wish it wasn't that way, but I think it's pretty normal or sometimes we'd have aides out. And so that consistent team would always sometimes look a little bit different at least for on my end and or teachers leaving or I'll have a new you know teacher moved or so I've definitely had a lot of different teachers that I've worked with and I loved all your advice for just how you approach collaborating with teachers and getting that buy-in. And that kind of leads to my next question is how did you, or how do you establish roles and lesson plan with the teachers that you co-teach with in the classroom?
1: So I do remember taking like this course. It was a district-wide professional development course. And this wasn't like speech language specific or anything like that. It was all the teach, all the educators in our district. And we broke off into little groups and one of the presenters in one of the groups I was in, she said that the best way that she found to plan or co-teach what with her, her co-teaching partner was that they would go on a run in the morning and plan then. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, like, <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> I, number one, not a runner. Okay. Not my area of expertise. I don't even think that I can Carry on a conversation, let alone actually plan anything while running. But obviously, my health and fitness is a whole nother topic of discussion, and we'll just kind of <laughs> let that one go. We must
0: be soul sisters because uh, <laughs> running isn't my. I mean, I do go running, but I would never go on a planning run with so <laughs> Yeah,
1: and so I was just like, okay, this is ridiculous. <laughs>
0: um,
1: but you know, I think that at first. I was thinking that in order to really plan with someone, I needed to have a significant amount of time to do so. And I have since learned that you don't necessarily need a huge amount of time and the odds of you getting it in a school district are slim to none, especially getting the, the same planning time as the person you're trying to plan with. Because then you're coordinating all these schedules and stuff. So. you you know, you might not get an extensive amount of time and that's okay. You know, depending on the activity or the target goals or what the student's needs are, planning can come in so many different forms. It could be emails. It could be texts. It could be, you know, three minutes passing in the hall. It could be a lunch date. It doesn't have to necessarily be extensive for it to be effective. What it does need to be is purposeful. So just, taking that, that time, whatever, you know, few minutes you have here and there, and um, just chatting about what you're going to do, or if I'm the one kind of more so planning the lesson, then I, you know, talk to my co-teacher, and I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. What I need from you is this, and vice versa. She does the same thing as well, so...
0: Yeah, I agree. And a lot of times I would just to take it off the teachers, one of my teachers plate, she was giving me her, her staff and her the day that I came in. So I just said, Hey, I'm going to plan everything for you. Unless you want to participate in that, I will let you know kind of ahead of time. And then I would just like show her some of the crafts or certain activities I was going to do and get her feedback. Like, how do you, how do you think we should level the groups? Or do you think this is a craft that's going to be interesting? Or do you think you know, and I would get her feedback more on the lessons that I was planning. And that was, it was really quick check-ins. And then she felt a part of the process and she let me have her whole team the days I was there. And so I was happy to plan stuff. Yeah, me too.
1: Like we, we have the same thing when I'm pushing into those um more self-contained classrooms and we have the aid support. We have aides in there for the the students and just to support the general class. It's a little bit more challenging when you're going into that gen ed class because it's typically, at least in our district, it's the teacher and you. <laughs> so we, you know, we can't necessarily do a lot of the little small group stuff. But I have just fully embraced the the fact that Co-teaching doesn't necessarily have to be with the, the teacher, even when you're in those mods of your classes. It can be with a paraeducator, one-on-one aides. Any adult really in the room can be your co-teacher if you guys are working together.
0: Totally. So that, I would love to know if you could share a few of your roadblocks that you've encountered with co-teaching, just so that people can hear that, yeah, it's not always perfect, but you're, you're making it work yeah so they can hear how i have fallen on my
1: face (laughs) (laughs) well first off co-teaching or pushing services it's not like this one size fits all kind of thing just as you know any intervention doesn't work for all students it also doesn't work for all educators so kind of finding out who you you mesh with best and and how you can work on certain goals with with certain children it It's all part of the process, regardless of you're doing push-in services or if you're doing pull-out services, it doesn't matter, you know. Each kid is going to need something individualized, but when it does work for all parties, it is such a beautiful thing. It's, It's really just this nice little dance. So I guess the two main roadblocks are time and fear of stepping on toes and what i mean by time is there's just simply not enough of it i mean i get it i do have a rather small caseload of 50-ish kiddos i know that a lot of people aren't that lucky but those 50 kids are stretched across four grade levels and in about 17 classrooms so it's just not physically possible for me to push into 17 classrooms you know one to two times a week depending on the kids needs so you kind of have to pick and choose who the push-in model would best support. I guess the other roadblock, as I mentioned, that can be even more challenging than the impossible time challenge, is it's hard to find out how to fit in when you're pushing into someone's cl- someone else's classroom. I mean, the other teacher has invited you into her little castle, and you know she. I say she because we have one male on our campus, one male teacher. So, you know, she invites you into her kingdom and she's been the queen of this castle. She's been a, the queen of this kingdom of all these little, little cuties. And in I roll trying to find a balance between co-queen, I mean, I don't even really know if that's a thing, court gesture and full on mutiny. And, you know, I found that the the key to overcoming both of these obstacles really is effective communication, which as speech and language pathologists, like we that is our area of expertise. So I think that we all are able to or have the knowledge of how to best communicate, and part of that communication is listening to everybody. Oh, I just thought of another pitfall. Um don't fall into that role of tutor. This has happened to me on occasion, and it typically happens when there hasn't necessarily been that ample planning or communication so i guess that kind of falls under both the lack of time and the fear of stepping on toes challenges too but you know sometimes when you're when you enter into someone else's um, classroom and they've done the planning or they're kind of that lead teacher you know you might find yourself kind of wandering around and trying to like help kids on the side but because you guys haven't necessarily talked about or planned to the extent that you probably should have, you can kind of fall into that, like, wait, what am I doing here? Like, am I co-teaching right now? Or am I just acting as a tutor? So, you know, that's just something to be mindful of as well.
0: Yeah, I think you brought up, you explained it very, very well, the roadblocks that we could all face. And I always try even not necessarily at the beginning of the year, but when I want to start co-teaching, it's, I have to think like, okay, I'm running a marathon and I need to do the work now in order to make it to the end of that. So sometimes I will have to work harder or sacrifice more of my time to meet with the teachers in order to make sure that planning and communication of roles and everything is set. And then as the years go on, you don't have to it, you don't have to do as much work, but it is a lot more work in the beginning. And then it's even more work if you don't do some of yes. that stuff. Because, <laughs> Definitely. Because then usually it leads to someone being mad or they don't want you in there. And next thing you know, you're sitting in the, the principal's office going, <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> and you guys are having a mediation meeting. And we don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh no, we don't want that at all. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> SLPs never want to be in trouble. So yeah. So I love all your tips. Those are awesome. And maybe just so some SLPs can see how you do push in or a sample lesson, maybe share what you've planned with a gen ed teacher or your mod severe teachers and just to give them an example of what it could look like.
1: Definitely. So I, I, You know, honestly, things have really changed year to year, and none more so than this past year. I've done many different types of push-in or collaborative services. So I'm going to kind of run through a few of them. And then after that, I'll kind of talk you through just some sample lessons as well. So I've done some what I call like team support services, which wasn't necessarily a push in service because we weren't actually pushing into the into a classroom but it consisted of myself and an occupational therapist doing kind of simultaneously simultaneous intervention and we obviously had to get permission to do this because we didn't want to be double dipping when we're billing for minutes so we we did get permission and you know this the session might have been 60 minutes but we each only billed for 30 minutes now, you might be thinking, okay, that's really stepping on the time crunch, uh, but it was so fantastic for myself in learning how I could make some small adjustments in my solo intervention time to get uh, to help target a student's fine motor goals or their sensory goals, and the same was true for her. She was able to frame her lessons taking the student's speech and language goals in mind, or keeping the Student speech and language goals in mind as well so it really was such a beneficial model for both of us service providers but the student as well because everyone was kind of learning from each other so that i dabbled in years ago but that was kind of like one of my first you know moves into the direction of that collaborative service I've also done push and services where it's more rotation based. So, this was mainly done in our preschool classrooms. We would have, you know, 10 kids in the preschool classroom and we'd split them up into three different groups, each being run by a different adult. Um, I know, Felice, you had mentioned how you kind of would take the reins and do the planning so that the teacher didn't have to necessarily do that. I definitely utilized that type of intervention when I was pushing into the preschool classroom and it was great. One of the main things I actually used was your push in themed lessons because they are so effective in when we're in those little small groups and having those little cards that detail the little tent cards that you have that detail you know what you can do with each activity and I could kind of just hand that to the para or the other teacher and then they would know how to um, implement the activity and what I was thinking we were going to do. These were like I said typically theme based and the kids were getting tons of repetitions and it was play based as well because I've already told you that fun is my number one. And learning through play, um, the, success, the success and the retention of information is just superior. And I know that you have the numbers on all that, Felice. Right? You you got you got that all down. With the, we learn so much more when we're we're in that play, and th- that we need the repetitions. And We were definitely getting that in these short little 10 to 15 minute rotations, which was important to keep them short and keep the kids moving around because, you know, they're three, four, and sometimes five. The attention span isn't necessarily, you know, that cookie cutter 30 minute speech block. So that was nice. Yeah. Another way that I've done some co-teaching is I've also done it where myself and the other queen basically tag team a lesson and this is my favorite approach when i can have another adult in the room and we can kind of be playing off each other i said adult because it doesn't again necessarily have to be the teacher i love when the other teacher or a paraprofessional jumps in and with certain coworkers i expect it and they too expect it of me uh, but you know it's so nice to just be able to jump in when other people are teaching or when you're teaching have someone else jump in and then the, ki- the kids start to see this more as like this family this unit where we're all working together for uh, the same goals and it's it's great when that happens I feel like it's kind of like this collaboration dance. You know, sometimes you may spin the wrong way, but your team teacher is right there to pull you back so you don't step on your own feet and fall on your face. And if you do, they help you up, which is nice. Another model that I've done is what most of my push-in lessons to date have been is pushing into those special education classrooms but this past year in you know that true 2020 2021 covid fashion i was sort of pushed into trying something new so what we had is our kindergartners were split into an am and pm cohort so we only had half the students in the class at a time and i kind of saw this as an opportunity to to pounce <laughs> only eight students okay this is my comfort zone this is my wheelhouse you know there's just eight students in there awesome okay what am I going to do? So what I did is I got to push into the gen ed classroom and I knew that I needed to have something that was, you know, of high interest, something that the kids would love, that the, the teacher would be like, whoa, how did you do this kind of thing? And so I used one of Abby's from GoGo Go speech. I used one of her lessons. I know you've had her on your podcast. and we definitely hooked the kids. The kids were so excited. If you aren't familiar with those GoGo speech lessons, it's kind of interactive stories where you can either have it be a green screen background or in this case, I was using it as a PowerPoint on the smart board and the kids were so excited. I had some kids who typically were very quiet who were jumping out of their seats with excitement just to communicate during the lesson. It was that's awesome. so exciting.
0: Yeah. I had the same success with Abby's go-go speech lessons. And even with COVID, when we went back, I would use some of them on the smart board too. And they were, they were really cool because it also got you out of your shell a little bit because there was a guide for what to do next. And cause I'm more mm-hmm. introverted. I am not one of those people that's like, Hey, get moving!" <laughs> I mean, I have a little bit of excitement and pep, but but yeah, so her lessons get pushed you a little bit to do that. And that's, that's fun to hear because I am obnoxiously outgoing at
1: times. And so it's nice to hear that those lessons can kind of work for someone who maybe isn't so extroverted and then someone who is obnoxiously. So I also ended up using, you know, as I mentioned, those your push in lessons, those were fantastic. And I use some of Christine's from Live Love Speech, those cooking lessons. I've done science experiments. So what does a typical push-in lesson look like for me? Well, you know, it's different every time. But it might involve a book, bonus points if it's from the curriculum or related to the curriculum. Then I usually follow that with some sort of activity that relates to the book. There's always a retelling component. That's great for working on any kids any kids goals that have to do with past tense verbs because when we're retelling, it's in that past tense. So we'll, we'll either retell the book or the activity that we did. During the push-in lesson, I often like, as I mentioned, one or both of us at the front of the class. And if we aren't both at the front of the class tag teaming the lesson, then one of us is walking around supporting with visuals and reinforcing what the other is saying. There are usually random shout outs which are encouraged, whether it's from me or the kids or the co-teacher. I'm just looking for everyone to be having a good time um, and communicating in whatever method that they seem fit. But like specifically, let me think of an example of a lesson. So some of my students back in, wintertime around January, we're working on a weather theme and you know, a lot of my students just are huge fans of dinosaurs. And you're thinking like, what in the world? How does weather dinosaurs, what's going on? Where? <laughs> I often merge a lot of things together to try to meet as many goals as I can, but GoGo Speech had developed a interactive story for the green screen or PowerPoint and that merged snow and dinosaurs together. I use that so, one as well.
0: So uh, yeah, <laughs>
1: it was it was so great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, you know, borrowed. I say borrowed because I mean I pay for all this stuff, but <laughs> it's worth every penny. And I highly recommend the Go Go Speech. I highly recommend Dabbling Speeches, Felice's themed units. Those have been insanely helpful for the pu- the push in units. Sorry so then i borrowed some of the activities from the dino unit from felice her themed push-ins and we used upside down cups and popsicle sticks to build bridges for the dinosaurs to play on you had incorporated i think it was synonyms on the cups for one of your sample lessons and so we did that we later The kids wanted to build igloos as a habitat for the dinosaurs because that was something that happened in the go-go speech activity. And so um, we talked about what materials might work for us to build an igloo, you know, and what were the positives and negatives about each material that we mentioned. So, you know, one kid said, oh, we should use cotton. Then we were like, oh, yeah, cotton's nice, it's light. but will it stack? Is it going to stay? Is it too fluffy? So we kind of talk about each thing. Another kid was like, well, I think igloos are made out of ice, so we should use ice cubes. And then we talked about how, yeah, they probably are made out of ice, but you know, are our ice cubes going to stick together? And this was great because it was kind of like including the kids in that planning process. We talked about using snow or Legos. We used. We ended up using all of these different things we also used sugar cubes and sugar cubes kind of seem to be the the go-to item to actually create these igloos but we made predictions about each material then we actually like i said attempted to use those materials to create but as i mentioned i'm in sunny you know southern california so snow isn't you know readily available on campus But I wasn't going to let a little climate stop me from giving these kids the actual snow. So, And any chance I can break out my snow cone machine, I'm all for it because
0: You brought brought a snow cone machine? (laughs) That's so funny.
1: Sure did. And the kids love the snow cone machine. So I bring my ice. We tried to build our igloo with ice. That didn't work. Then we took the ice and we put it in the snow cone machine. And the kids got to kind of create snow. So that, that was super fun. We could talk about the sequencing of the activities. Another day, again, with the snow cone machine, the kids decided that they wanted to have a snowball fight. So we kind of wrote out, you know, what do we need to have a snowball fight? What rules do we need to have? What, what materials are necessary? And oh my goodness,
0: those kids' faces, you know, these- Yeah, they were probably engaged.
1: Oh, Excited. Yeah super high engagement having them talk about you know what we did during our snowball fight afterwards they were just smiling ear to ear but you know still talking about it which was really fun to see and they enjoyed it was great to see them kind of helping us through our planning process so sometimes you know when you're thinking oh i don't have enough time to plan with the teacher honestly you can even plan with the kids there and they can be a part of it. And then they have that buy-in. Not only do we need to have you know, us and the teacher have the buy-in, but it's great to have the kids have the buy-in and they can get that when they're part of the process too, when they can be part of the development of what activity. And then you can like alter it so that it meets their goals. But they definitely enjoyed being a part of the planning process. And it gave us adults you know, time within those contract hours to actually plan. So it was kind of a win-win right there.
0: Yeah. And so I love this lesson plan. It sounds super fun. And I, from what you're describing, it sounds like this was almost like a month long unit and you were building off of it each week. And so you were able to do all this cool engaging stuff that normally if you tried to do it all in two weeks or something, you would have been burnt out, stressed out trying to get all the materials. And instead you were able to ease in with a little go-go speech, some, some dining.
1: absolutely, And then
0: towards the end, as you're seeing the light bulbs going off with the kids and you're, you know, it motivates you. You're like, I'm inspired now because they're engaged. They're loving it. They want more of it. And then you can do these really cool hands on activities you know, and like you said, you can even break it up to where you're planning it all out. And then you're reusing some of the content that, you know, they're making their, their caves. And then next week you can bring them out again and talk about them some more. Yeah. It, it really is something
1: that if I can stretch a theme or an activity across multiple sessions, I really think the kids benefit from it. They just can absorb so much more when they're you know, playing with something in multiple ways, and that's definitely what I was going for. Like you mentioned, um, yeah, is is making sure that they have that level of engagement and interest, and then goals are important too. <laughs> yeah, but you embed, yeah,
0: you can embed so many different goals into these units, especially if you take it for. You try to aim for a month-long unit too. So mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, you gave so much good examples of different types of collaborative service models that you can do. So if you're feeling like you're in a rut and you're like, I don't know what to do, just know that you can pick and choose how you want to implement collaborative services and it doesn't. it's not one size fits all. Before we end the interview, I was gonna just say that I did I'll put the show in the show notes the episode where I interviewed Abby from Go Go Speech and she talks all about her green screens. And then even with Christine Live Love's speech, her cooking lessons, I had her on the podcast too to talk about how she does push in for her preschool students. And I forget I forget what episode it was, but I'll put that in the show notes too, so that you can listen to it because it is a really cool way to increase engagement and get buy-in from teachers as well. So thanks for uh, mentioning her stuff because it's it's really awesome as well.
1: But yeah, I
0: don't create things. I was
1: telling Felice when she had asked me to be on this. I'm not a creator of materials, but I love to support all these amazing SLPs who are creating and helping me with my lessons. So those
0: are just some of my go-to Gals. Yeah, I mean, thanks for the shout out. Uh, (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) she did. She's not paying me to say this. Yeah, I said.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm like no pressure to talk about my my materials, but she did anyway. Yeah. So before we end the interview, maybe share one top takeaway or something that you really feel like you've learned from doing collaborative services over the years just to encourage other people to maybe take the dive into starting collaborative services?
1: I think that you, you can't look at it as like, I'm going to do push in services and that's going to be what I do. You just have to pick one teacher and you have to pick, you know, that teacher with, in mind with the, the what kids are going to be in her class. So if you have any, like, ends on supporting and uh, helping make those classroom placements, that can be beneficial as well. But if you don't, you got to look, okay, which teacher am I going to be able to work best with? Now, do the kids that are in her class, do they have goals that I think will, they will benefit from working in this push in model? So you don't have to, you don't have to dive in and, and do it all. It's just taking that one step to working with a teacher. It doesn't have to be your best friend, but there definitely has to be that level of trust and respect and just give it a try because you honestly never know if you're going to like it if you don't just try it. I'd also say have fun with it because if you're having fun, guess what? Everyone else around you will be having fun too. It's really hard to be in a, in a classroom situation where you're having a snowball fight and not have a good time. So just enjoy yourself and give it a try.
0: Totally, I love that advice. Look for the fun teacher on campus. <laughs> <laughs> or someone that at least wants you to come in their room because yes. then you know you're welcomed, and that's a good place to start. So I love that takeaway and I totally agree. So thanks again, Audrey, for coming on the podcast. I think so many SLPs are gonna love hearing all your takeaways And yeah,
1: well, it was so good to be here. Thank you so much for asking me to come on and getting me, you know, to step out of my comfort zone and try something new. I don't think I did too bad, but you know,
0: no, you did awesome. (laughs) You did awesome. And I love, you know, people trying new things. So I'm glad to be part of that. As always, SLPs be the SLP that every kid wants to see. Stay inspired, and I will see you next week. Bye.